Welcome to Punchboard Paradise, a podcast coming to you from the heartland of America in Omaha, Nebraska, where we discuss the world of tabletop gaming, the topics that affect the board game community, and give honest and fair reviews of the industry's hottest games. In episode 14, the Punchboarders will reach into the mailbag to answer a question, head on over to Clef's for a Kickstarter corner, and review Coimbra. Hi everybody, I'm Clef. Hey, I'm Chad. I'm Richie. Guys, so I know you guys aren't always on the hotness in the theaters, but did have you, you have you seen any summer movies at all? Movies? What are those? <laughs> no. All right. Well, <laughs> I have a one and a three year old. I watched Coco the other day. Ooh, all right. You, for you like, like the fiftieth time. <laughs> <laughs> that one's tough to get through. <laughs> Makes you tear up a little bit. Uh, yeah, that made Ooh. me reclose okay. too. A little so, bit. Chad, what have you seen that is hot? I just saw not too long ago the Mission Impossible movie. It, it was super. I'm right. gonna say I've heard that's pretty good. It's just fun. It's yeah. Gonzo action, and I I've said this before. Like I know that it's not. I've watched the old TV show. It came out before me, but I, I watched the rerun. Sure. So yeah. it's not really. It's not really Mission Impossible. It's more like Tom Cruise's Impossible Mission, but <laughs> it's still it's still fun. And the the action in this is crazy, Gonzo. And I do think, and I've said this in other places, so I'll cop to it. But I do think that he is. I'm going to say this right now. He is probably the best on screen runner of my generation. <laughs> Didn't he break his ankle? Like doing a stunt? <laughs> I don't think he did. Yeah, okay, fine. But the guy's falling out of helicopters and stuff. It's not. He didn't do it running. He is a gazelle. He is a cheek rippling gazelle when he runs. It's pretty amazing. So you think he is the best on screen runner? This is a category you have thought about. <laughs> yes, I'm totally serious. You watch him. I mean, there's five minutes dedicated in this movie to him running as fast as he can. I mean, little man, like five six, cheeks rippling. Like beautiful vistas around him, he is trucking. I thought you were going to say like one of the best action star movies of all time, and I was going to agree with you. I love him as an action star. He's great as an action star. Yeah. Well, I guess I've never thought of him being a great runner. Well, that is part of his action appeal. He's really fast. Okay, so best Tom Cruise movie, Richie. Richie gave me the I have no idea. Look, <laughs> Chad, best Tom Cruise movie. I really like the Mission Impossible's, but I'm going to have to maybe go with. Cocktail, just because it's so cheesy. Wrong. It's Top Gun. All right. <laughs> it's got to be Top to... Gun. Oh, wait. Richie has gone to the... I've gone to the internet. To here. the Let's internet. See. Oh, that's going to be a long time there. Ugh. I do love Cocktail, though. That is a very good choice. I, oh, I the one where it. he keeps dying. Oh, What's Edge that? of Tomorrow. There we go. Edge yeah, that tomorrow. actually is a good script and stuff. I, I, I actually like that. Now, uh, to be to be clear, I, I think he's a little bit crazy, but that's all right. It's no, he's energy. definitely crazy. Yeah. Actually, Tropic Thunder. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. He he did he get nominated for an Academy Award for that like end game or the end credits on no, that thing? <laughs> I don't know. He deserves it for that one. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Uh oh, another good one. Uh Risky Business. You cannot go okay, wrong with yeah, Risky Business. Yeah, that's iconic right there. Oh. But again, that Rebecca again Rebecca Demore. Woo! <laughs> My younger oh, self, whoa, what a crush I had on her. All right. <laughs> All right, we better move on. Richie, help us out and just pull something out of the mailbag, please. <laughs> All right, so we got a email from David from Saskatoon. I think he was actually gave, David gave us our first email on uh, ep- way back on episode one. Thanks, David. All right, so David's email says, What are your guys' opinions on expansions? I have two points of view when it comes to expansions. 
Point of view one. I do not appreciate expansions that are a must-buy in order to complete a game or make a mediocre game into a great game. Point of view two. I really enjoy expansions that change or add to an already great and complete game that I've already played and enjoyed a lot. I know publishers make a lot of money when it comes to expansions, but the game should be complete in the base game form. What do you guys think? Do you have games with a must-have expansion that without it, the base game is not worth having? What are some of your favorite games that do not have expansions? Is Merlin worth buying in its base-only form? Woo, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can answer that last question. No, you need those expansions for Merlin. But let's go answer his other questions. Uh, Chad, how about you? Well, now this is an interesting question. I'm glad he asked it. We have a, a friend on Instagram too, uh, Adheel, and he's in our Slack chat. He, he's known on Instagram as uh, Board Game Guru 77 But we were just talking about this because he's in Cape Town, and the expansions are expensive. I mean, the shipping and the board games there to get to Cape Town are expensive in and of themselves. So I understand why this is a problem. And we're spoiled here in the States. I mean, we aren't up in, in Canada where where the games are more expensive. So this is a good question. I get this. We do talk a lot about expansions on this show, and we're happy to have them and play them. And if they make a game better, but I can understand his frustration. There are some games that really do add to it, especially in the aspect of variability, and they make a game more replayable as time goes on. So I value some of those expansions. But Clef, what about you? Well, I do have some certain games that absolutely the expansion is a must. But I understand what David's saying. Like a game like Raiders of the North Sea, that game I found to be kind of blah, it was okay when you first showed it to me in the base form. And then, like, I don't know, six months later, they put out two expansions, or maybe, I can't even remember, the Kickstarter, maybe it came with them. It, it was later than Which, that. It was it was a year, maybe a, okay. a, two years later. And once I played that with both expansions, oh my goodness, the game became a pretty darn good game. But I'm, it cost, I think, $35 per expansion. So that was $70 to make a $70 game an amazing game. Yeah, that kind of frustrates me. I, I don't, sometimes that, that, that I don't like. Now to me, a game comes out, it's really good. Everybody's enjoying it. It's, it's you know, it's hot. A year, two year, years down the road, then it comes out with an expansion. Okay, then I'm cool with that because yeah, I want to have something different. A great example of that is going to be Great Western Trail. Love that game. Could play that game with the base game the way it is for the rest of my life, but the new expansion coming out here in a couple of months, oh boy, am I looking forward to it. And I, I, I do get irritated when they announce the game and then they also announce the expansions before the, the base game is right. released. 100%. That is annoying. But I don't mind expansions. I actually I love seeing when I get more content for a great game. And I don't mind it when, so like Great Western Trail, where that building strategy is not the best or in, in, in uh, Mombasa, the book track is not the best. And then uh, I know with Mombasa, they released that little mini expansion that kind of addresses that issue. And then we have the Great Western Trail expansion coming out. I don't know if that actually addresses that, but it's just nice to, to get extra content. But the interesting side of that, then, the argument is, are you using the populace, the consumers, to play test your game then and figure out where those holes are that need expansions? Because then that that's a problem. If 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 people play then and figure out, well, this strategy isn't that viable or it's not equal to some of the others, it, is that a problem? And maybe the designer doesn't look at it the way that we look at it. 
at it, which is to say, well, I didn't intend for that to be the way the game was played. You know, I guess, I guess that's an issue, but I, I think it's interesting to kind of ask that question. Well, should there be more play testing on this or more look into this than if that, if that's the case that it needs a new expansion? Well, and I think sometimes, and I, you know, I'm not an insider that knows a hundred percent, but I think sometimes publishers will even tell a designer, Hey, let's cut these couple of pieces out of the game for one thing, maybe to make it a little more what they would hope to be a little more, uh, overall liked because they cut a couple pieces out made a little more simpler and then they know that okay eventually they're gonna i mean i and i'm not saying queen games did this but i can't imagine stefan feld made that game with just that base game and then went back and made the expansions afterwards to me that game was meant to be played with those three parts in the whole game and i feel like it was just kind of cut out and now they're putting them back in there to, to, to kind of make that game complete. Yeah, I can understand that. Some of the games he mentioned are just fine without. He We didn't go into them in the letter, but he talks about Trajan and Brussels 1893, games that we really love, and they are really fine without having the expansion. So there are those games out there, and I think you kind of have to maybe go by publisher track record and designer track record. I think sometimes that's a clue as to whether you're going to get a full game or get some, some expansions released later on that, that feel like the, the, the full game. Yeah, absolutely. So let's answer. First of all, do we have some games that we feel like are good enough without um, expansions that we feel like are straight up don't need expansions. That was one of his questions and I'll answer. First of all, Yes, brass. Okay, <laughs> Richie, what do you got? I'm going to be talking about brass for like the next like five months, nonstop, about how amazing it is. All right. Hope you listen to the brass episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nippon. That's one of my favorite games, and I I don't need any more. But I I mean, once again, I would be excited if I saw they're releasing a Nippon expansion. Right. What do you got, Chad? There are a lot of Vital Asserta games that don't have expansions and. In- you know, don't really need them. I mean, I guess there's added stuff for Vinos and some of that stuff, but I, I, you don't, I don't really think of them as expansions per se. You can just, if you want to change up some of those wine expert tiles or whatever, you can, you can do that, but it's not needed at all. And I'm happy to have Vinos and Lisboa and the gallerist without those. Now I will be honest. I did uh, go in on escape plan and get that gallerist scoring mini expansion in with it and so i'll see what that adds but it wasn't much it wasn't a huge expense so i i I thought i'd try it out you threw in a copy for me right uh no (laughs) well go back and fix that because get one for me too (laughs) so okay but so there are some games that certainly we don't feel like we need expansions for okay so what next question was are, are there any games that we own that feel like you have to have the expansion in order to play it. I will say one of our favorites here is Viticulture. And to me, I will play that with brand new gamers. But to be honest, if I'm going to play it for myself and for fun, I'm always going to play it with the extended board, the Tuscany expansion. Now, I, this is confusing with that game because there are so many different versions of it. But I'm not talking about Essential Edition. I have base Viticulture and the very first Tuscany with all the expansions. There's Mafia stuff in there that I haven't played with and Tomatoes and some other stuff. But the, uh, you got to have the extended board with the special meeples and the special structures. That stuff makes the game really fun to chew on much more of a medium weight game. So would you own, would you, I mean, if somebody said, I just want to play base viticulture, would you say 
No. No, because I love the game so much, I would still play it with them in order to get them to like it so we could play the other game. But okay. I mean, okay. I would say no, because I framed my base board <laughs> just so that there's no option that we're playing on the extended board. Well, you could pull it down off the wall. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's true, but I'm not doing that. Okay, so you'd say absolutely no. Okay, so Richie, do you have any other games that you would just 100% would not play without the expansion. Uh, Istanbul uh, with the coffee expansion. I think that that is essential for that game. I think with just the base game, the tiles get really samey quick, and it's not as interesting. But when you throw in the extra coffee resource and then you ex expand the board, I think that game really starts to hum then at that point. What about you, Clef? Okay, well, one of my, my all-time favorite games, Nations. It's a really solid, good game, but... A few years ago, the expansion Dynasties came out, which gave a whole bunch of new countries to play, and then they gave these turmoil cards. And it is now, to me, how I play Nations. If somebody else said to me, hey, I want to play Nations, I would have to play it with the Dynasty cards, or I'm just not going to enjoy playing it. So I that one, yes, 100% Nations. I have to play with the Dynasty expansion. Okay, so just let's let's finish this off here. His last question, just so we're 100%, is Merlin worth buying only in the base form? Richie, you kind of gave your answer, I think, already. Yeah, that's a big N-O, no. Okay, but would he need all three expansions, or could he get by with just the in Enviros? The Environs and the Scrolls, in my opinion, are all you need. The, the two that don't come in the game. Okay, in the base game. Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay, Chad? I would say, to me, the Environs are the most important part. So I'd even be fine without the Scrolls. But I understand what Richie's saying. But for me, I could play the game without the Scrolls. So just getting the Environs expansion. I will say kind of yes. Because when I first taught my wife this game, I played it, just the base game quite a few times because my wife didn't want any extras and I and I didn't have actually the extra two queenies to start with but then I'm also going to come back to you and say now that I've played with those expansions it's kind of a no I would always want to play with those you know just the, the scrolls and the environs I, I just think that those make the game it's complete game all right so thank you David for that question if you got any other questions that you want to send to us shoot us an email at punchboardparadise at gmail.com or you can even contact us on social media on facebook and instagram we are at punchboard paradise and on twitter we are at punchboarders now let's head on over to clef's kickstarter corner hold on, hold on before we head over to kickstarter's corner i wanted to ask david a question hey when we make our trip up to saskatoon are, do we have a place to stay with you up there because i kind of want to come visit <laughs> well we're gonna do that quick before winter hits oh that's true i got kind of cold up there <laughs> okay for today for clef's kickstarter corner i have pax premiere it plays one to five players in approximately 45 to 150 minutes. I'm sure most of that probably has to do with player count. Uh, PAX Premier is an interactive historical game about politics and power in the 19th century Afghanistan. And it's from the designer, Cole Worley. You guys, obviously, we've heard this name a lot. He has a huge game out right now called Root. And then another one, uh, John Company. Okay, so big, big designer right now. And in this game, 
players will work in coalitions to build a new state after the collapse of the Durrani Empire. However, only a single player can win. As your coalition becomes powerful, former allies will turn into espionage and political subterfuge in effort to secure their personal dominance. In this game, players will be purchasing cards from a central marketplace. Then after buying those cards from the market, players will play them to their personal row of cards, called their court. Playing cards like this will add new units into play, such as armies, roads, tribes, and spies. Each of these types of units has their own special utility. Players will score victory points by developing positions and influence in dominant coalitions. Now, this is one of the things that I found kind of interesting about this game. It kind of talks about the different player counts for it and what makes the game kind of a little bit different. It talks about in this game, when you play like two to three players, it's going to be a sharp affair prone to sudden death victories. Uh, says more like how it was in the first edition. Uh, but it says in the four to five player games are going to be tend to be a little bit longer, often extending until nearly every card has been bought. Larger games usually are going to emphasize partnerships and player to player synergy, whereas the smaller games emphasize the combo building and the diplomatic flexibility. It also, like I said, plays one to five. So that has a solo game in it. In the solo game, players will square off against an automated opponent. This opponent may be adjusted to be used in two-player games as well. And games with the automated opponent emphasize risk management and a deep knowledge about the game's core systems. This game, if you remember last episode, we talked about colonialism. This game is somewhat similar in that it's a card-playing game. And it certainly has to deal with, you know, a another kind of turbulent time in, you know, the late uh, uh, 19th century, early 20th century. What did you guys think about this game? Well, I know that it's kind of a, a related game to the PAX series, PAX Porphyriana and PAX Renaissance, for example. Uh, I'm, I'm very interested to, to see what this game holds. There's a lot of Richie in this game from what I could tell because they're they're sort of forming alliances and then backstabbing your opponent at the right moment so <laughs> yeah that's what I was thinking too <laughs> yeah that sounds fantastic and then <laughs> the combo building and also just seeing that it has a solo mode is exciting for me since I've been getting in more solo plays oh that's true you have been well for me the 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 designer is what makes me interested in this because I really like Cole Worley. I mean, Root is like blowing it up right now. And John Company was a really cool game. I've only gotten one play of it in. And it's one of those games that I'm like, oh, I really would like to play this. But you can't get it. It's impossible. It's, it's, you, it's not even on a market or anything to buy it. I've got one friend in town. And I really need to talk him into getting that game back out to, to play again. Because it's really cool. So that makes me just think I, I would like to give this a shot. Uh, you guys think this would be something you'd want to kickstart? Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely want to see you spend money on it. Thanks. I <laughs> appreciate that. <laughs> okay, so anyways, a uh, couple of quick things on it. You've got until September 19th to back this. Uh, the cost is $60. It is already funded, so it's it's, and I think it's way funded. I think it's over 100000 now, and it was a $10,000 uh, goal. So it's way overfunded. It's got some cool Kickstarter um, exclusives, including, I found this to be really interesting. I've not seen this out of a game. The board is a cloth board. 
which I was like, mm, I don't know. That's yeah, I could some, go either way on that. Yeah, well, it, something different. So I don't know. It'll be interesting how it fits in the box. I don't know. Anyways, that is PAX Premier. All right. Well, let's move into our featured review for today, Coimbra. Coimbra is a two to four player game that, according to the box, plays in about 75 to 120 minutes. Personally, I think that's a bit long. Uh, it's designed by Virginio Gili and Flaminia Brasini and published by Egertspiel Games and Plan B Europe Games. The game takes place during the Age of Discovery, and it encourages players to grow the city to become the most influential citizens in the growth of Coimbra. So over three rounds, players will take turns drafting different colored dice that they will then use to obtain cards, which allows them immediate actions, ongoing powers, or end game points. Players will then be able to travel on the Pilgrim map, obtaining bonuses, and also move up the various influence tracks, such as education or religion. The tracks will pay out various bonuses, including points, travel, or money each round, depending on the colors of dice that have been drafted by each player. At the end of four rounds, the player with the most victory points wins. And that is a short and sweet summary of Coimbra. So, fellas, let's start out with our general breakdown of art and components. Richie, what do you think about art and components? Uh, I think the art is beautiful. This, we've been on a roll for Euro games with some stellar art. Uh, Plan B, we already knew that they could do fantastic production with the Zool Reef, Century Spice Road. They've been just killing it as far as production goes. So, great art in the game. All the bits and pieces are, are great, too. So, uh, Clef, what do you think? Oh, I would totally agree. It's got very vibrant colors. Reminds me kind of like a Merlin type of board, you know? I mean, it's very vibrant and pretty. And at first, when you kind of look at all the art on there, you're kind of like, whoa, what's going on? But as soon as you understand it, it's very well put together and looks, you know, has, has good symbology and, and looks good. Uh, the cards are, you know, good. No issues whatsoever with the cards. And Richie, it doesn't have wooden dice. <laughs> I know. It's fan the dice aren't rounded, though. Yeah, well, but. come on. You can't have everything. <laughs> That's right. You can't. It can't be perfect. I, I personally am very happy. I like those. It's it's fun to roll those when you get to, you know, and we always let the first player roll them and boom, you get to roll all those dice and they go cling, 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 cling. I love it. Yeah, they did a fantastic job. How about you, Chad? This game is beautiful. I, I second what Clef said. It's super vibrant with the art. And, of course, the little... The little dice trays that you click your dice in once you draft them, those are really great and a really smart way to kind of keep everybody's dice, keep track of everybody's dice and keep them separate. It's a really nice little mechanism built into the game, and, and those are really good production quality there. And I like also, although the cards can be a bit overwhelming because you see a lot of them and there are a lot of different, there's a lot of different iconography there. They still have a very distinctive style. There is a very distinctive style throughout the game that is carried over, and it's it's really well done. If there was one complaint I had about the cards, is that they have the same picture for multiple different people that have different abilities. And I kind of almost wish 
that they would have had just different pictures for each person because then it might have been a little bit easier for one thing when I'm looking it up in the book to try to figure out who they are because sometimes I would look and go, oh, is that a picture of that guy? And then I'd start reading and I'd be like, whoa, that's not it. And it's because the guy looks the same. Now, maybe that was a design choice that they wanted to go with because they wanted it to be everybody knows that that guy's the green guy who does this type of thing. But that was just one thing that I wish would have been a little different with different pictures. And I know, like, in the rule book, they have the cards separated by the type of card they are. So, like, the instant cards are in a little section that you can look at. So, but, no, I, I do agree with you. That, you know, if they had distinct art on each card, it would make it a lot easier to, to reference the rule book for them. Like I said, I really, really like this art style. So I do want to give a, a correct shout-out to uh, the people that have done it. The illustrations are apparently by Chris Quilliams. Hopefully I've pronounced that correctly. And then art direction was by Philippe Guerin and graphic design by Philippe Guerin, Carla Ron and Marie-Yves Jolie. So hopefully I pronounced those correctly. But anyway, stellar job by all all of the yeah. all involved. And, and I'll also rule book. Outstanding. I mean, it's great examples. Great. Everything's in there. Easy to look. And even, you know, even since, like I said, you got to look at different people sometimes to figure out which card, every card is in there and gives an example of every single card, which I really like in a game when I'm a playing a card game to have that in a rule book. And not cluttered at all. That's that's general thoughts then on art and components. Let's move on to gameplay. Clef, what'd you think about gameplay? It's It's pretty darn good. You know, I like dice drafting games. And this one is a very cool, thought-provoking game where... You're drafting the dice, but when you draft the dice, you're looking at the different, they've got different colors that, you know, correspond to those income tracks that you were talking about. So sometimes you're looking at the dice color to know, oh, do I want to draft that one or do I want to draft this other color? But then you're also looking at the number because it depends on what number that you have on where you can put it to if you're going to be first to be able to draft those cards. But the higher the number, the more you have to pay. I really like that symmetry in, you know, how, okay, do I want to take the higher dice so I for sure get the card or do I want to take the lower dice so I don't have to pay as much money and then maybe I can, you know, do something else like buy one of those ships or something like that. So I really like how that gameplay kind of comes together. So Richie, what do you think of it? I would agree. It meshes well. There's a lot going on in the game. Uh, as far as just the different moving pieces and the different things that you're trying to accomplish because you got to try to maintain majorities on those tracks. But you're also trying to get the cards to get different actions. Overall, it all comes together in a, a fairly quick kind of medium weight euro. And that, that's right up my alley. It does a fantastic job. So I really enjoy how quickly this plays. It plays four rounds and they go really relatively quickly and by the end you feel like you've really done some stuff so i really enjoy that now i will say you guys are going to laugh at me again but at first when i saw this game and i saw the tracks when i see tracks sometimes i feel like that that's that's lazy you know like you could have made these into something now they did call them the religion track or the you know but it just feels like it's it starts to get kind of spreadsheety like uh, just going to move up this track and then and those tracks are really important to the game but when you start playing the game it doesn't seem to matter much it didn't bother me when i started playing the game i really like the mixes of of combo building that you can do in this game so you get those cards that let you do something different every turn 
every, every time you get a power and you get to move around the track and when you get the income then you get to double it with this and then you're deciding well do I do this action first from my die which is going to later allow me to do more things on this track so those kind of combos are really fun to build and it, and again that's kind of where this game sits it's it's a fun midweight euro that allows for that combo building that it can be very satisfying yeah and and another thing that i think is a big big kudos for this game is player count because when you play with less than 4 players the first thing they do is they add in these I don't want to call them dummy dice, but they're, 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 that's basically what they are. So when you go to draft a die, for instance, if you draft a four and there's a five, the number five dummy dice out there, your four still goes behind that number. And one of the more powerful cards usually gets eliminated from being able to be purchased. So it still gives you that feeling of that full four player game. And then the other thing it does for a two player game, and I'm going to tell you right now, this is ingenious and how somebody else didn't figure this out and maybe somebody else did and I've just never played a game that has this in it, but I've never seen this in a game. In a two-player game, those tracks, if you are in first place, you're going to score some points like in a normal game. But in here, in this game, if you are not at least within three from who's who the where the first place player is, you don't score any points at all. You have to be within three to score you have to be able to score the second place victory points. I've never seen that in another game. Almost every other game, you could be at one and they could be at 20 and you score five points and they score two points. And it's like, what's the, what's the point? You know, why, why do I do all that for that? Yeah. Like I said, it, it is definitely ingenious because so many times in these games, when you play them at two and you're fighting over those different tracks, well, if someone's up like five or six spots, it's like, well, I'm just not going to do that anymore. But in this, it makes it, so that you want to go after that, that you can actually pull off, you know, getting extra points and actually pull off a win by fighting over those tracks. So yeah, they, they did a fantastic job with that. Now, this is not one of those games, however, at least I feel like this is not one of those games where you can go off and just focus on this thing over here and somebody else can focus on another thing over there and you can both really vie for, for winning. I think the travel track, you definitely have to use it. You can't ignore it. You definitely have to use some of the end game cards that you can buy for purchase at the bottom with your money that are end game points. I think you definitely have to pay attention to those tracks so that you're not last on every single track. You, there are strategies that you definitely have to go after, but you can see those and it's still very interesting the way it plays out and how you vie for it with other players because that's the decision space there that you're working through the drafting and how that plays out is is still interesting again along with how you build your combos yeah absolutely all right we've talked about gameplay and player count let's move on to the variability of this game i think the variability is pretty good because the map which and like chad said that you really have to focus on the map to, to pull off a win. But all those tiles are randomized at the, I mean, there's different sets of them. Like there's level one, level two, level three, but all those are randomized and some won't come out during a game. And same goes for those in-game scoring cards. The only thing that's not variable is the deck. Yeah. You're, you're going to go see all the, the same, same cards. cards. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you'll yeah. go, you'll see all the same cards, but outside of that, uh, it's pretty variable. Um, I like on the track, on the travel track, you are going to have different, especially the level two and level three, we're only, I think, I think the level three, there's only two that come out each game. And so those are going to be different each game. 
Um, I, I do feel like that usually you better pay attention to what those are because those can score you a lot of points. Uh, but it does, it makes it very variable. However, on the cards, as we were just talking about, there is no variability there except for where they come out and which row they're in, you know, type of thing. But otherwise, you know, every single game, like for instance, Chad, I mean, the games that you've, that you have won of Coimbra, you always have gotten those two guys that always give you the bump up on the track every single time. And so, you know, that those guys are coming out now. Everybody could have fought for him, but you know you got those guys, and and you kind of kind of ran away with those games a couple of times like that. But with that, knowing that you plan for it, right? So you can see what's going to be set up, and you kind of plan your economy that way, and 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 that sort of thing. And so I think yes, that's a strategy, but it, it still is interesting to me because you you still plan for that. Right, right. I'm not saying that it's not. I'm just saying it the variability. There's you know it's not like if the deck was twice the size it was, and there was certain cards came out one point, and then the next game they didn't come out that would make it a little more variable in that sense it's always going to be the same cards is all i'm saying so what do you guys think about replayability then i I think it's got a lot of replayability in it i mean i feel like i mean i might not say that i could play this game you know it may have a cap for me where i'm going to say okay i feel like i've kind of played it but i think that that cap level is kind of high i feel like there's a lot of games in it i feel like i Boy, I still, when I look out on that board half the time, I'm still like, I have no clue what cards to go for. So I feel like it has good replayability in the sense that, you know, I, I feel like I can do something different each game to try maybe, yes, you have to continue to do all those things, but maybe different ways to kind of get there. So I feel like it has decent replayability. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. And they've already announced a mini expansion for it. And I think that this is the type of game that will benefit from that. Just getting some more cards in the deck, uh, maybe even more dice I think they're possibly adding. Overall, I think the replayability is good, uh, and I, it, it has room to grow. Right. Uh, as you said, that expansion that's releasing, I think it's a very small expansion. It's one extra kind of die, die which I'm not sure uh, what it's doing. And I do know that they have a dice box that you get to roll the dice in, basically, I, like I a tray. I think Mike told me... Uh, Mike Young, the, their uh, marketing manager, communications, that it's supposed to be like a multicolored dice. So maybe it might be like half green, half purple or something like that. And so when you take it, you have a little more variability when it comes to the end. I'm not 100% on that. And I think it was still in the works when I last talked to him. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see that expansion too. Yeah, overall, I think the replayability is still good for me. I would say... We talked about Merlin a few episodes back, and Clef had played that at 17 or 18, I believe, at that point, and he said, eh, I think I'll put this away for a little bit, but I'll come back to it. I think that's how I feel I could I could feel about a Coimbra, and, and that's a lot of plays to me. That's a lot of plays out of a game, So, and I'd still want to have it in my collection to dust off later, but you know, back-to-back plays, I'd, I'd be fine with that many, so it's got some replayability. I think now's the time, Richie, for you to give us the rating breakdown on Punchboard Paradise. Tell them what it is. Definitely. So we rate on a six-point scale, a one being trash, toss the game, burn it, and a six being a game that is a contender for one of our top games of all time. So, Clef, get us started. Okay, well, this game, when I play it, still kind of, like, fries my brain a little bit, you know, I, which is kind of a weird thing to say for me and, and you know, a Euro game, but I... St- I I feel like I'm still scratching the surface of trying to play this game. 
But if I'm going to say right now, my, in my heart right now, I'm going to give this a four. That's not a bad four. It's a very good four. That's still a game. You know, I still own it. I still will play it. I mean, uh, I know Tony, our amazing guy who helped us out with the sound. He's really looking forward to getting in a play of this game. And I am more than willing to, you know, play that with him and, and show him that. Heck, with all the help he's given us with our sound, I might just give him the game. I don't know. But um, <laughs> as long as he promises to come back over and play it with me. But it's a solid four. I enjoy the game. I would like to continue to play it. And, yeah, that's that's what I'm going to give it. Chad, what about you? Well, I will say, as a preface, that Richie and I both have this game already on on pre-order, too. So, so we all have it within our game group. And it's definitely going to stay there. I have played this game quite a few times already, and I will say it's exactly what I expected it to be. It's exactly what I expected it to be. And so it is a strong five for me. It's going to be up there. in. My, I expect it to be up there in my top ten games of the year still. Now, I'm going to say right now, and you guys are going to laugh. You're out there listening. We've had a string of strong reviews. Now, number one, we kind of know what we want to play, and we're picking that for, for one thing. But also, I think, to be honest, I think this is a stronger year already than last year. I I, I see it coming, and I, I think it's a stronger year than last year. I, I would I that's why I can give this a five because I can see it standing up against a lot of my games from my last year's top ten. So I'm gonna call this a five right now and say I'm looking forward to getting more plays of it and enjoying it with a bunch more different people. Richie, yeah, it's definitely a strong year. I mean, we haven't even hit Essen yet. And I mean, we've got all these great games. Uh, for me, it is a four. It is a solid game. It is a game that's going to be in my collection for a long time to come. I love the combo building, the snappy gameplay. It's a game that my wife will play with me. She was a little worried at first when she looked at it. But I mean, the rule set is simple uh, and it just it offers a lot. So for me, it's a strong four. And we will see what that mini expansion adds. And it may even pop up to a five for me. All right. So we got a four from Clef, a four from Richie and a five from me. So that is our review of Coimbra. Okay. So, Chad, you you got something? Yeah, I decided us? I'd pick up the slack and and uh, come up with a game for you guys to play. Also, I I I don't want you taking my game, so I'm not giving any games. So I'm gonna... I, I already came over and took Rococo. It's, yeah, it's... No, 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 not happening. All right. I kind of put together a little mini board game version of Linky. So, Ooh. so in Linky, you're going to have four questions. These questions are going to be asked sequentially, and the players are going to answer them basically in their heads. Uh, here's an example. Number one, a shark can smell blank up to three miles away. A shark can smell blank up to three miles away. Number two, what is the official term for the belly button? What's the official term for the belly button? And then number three, beginning with V, what is the third largest city of Spain? So if you haven't guessed, that was blood, navel, Valencia. Hopefully you understood that the category was oranges. So that's kind of the idea there. Yeah, okay. I was just about to say that. I was all over that. Yep, all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, Richie, I'm, I'm worried. <laughs> We're in trouble. <laughs> all right, guys, this is your first one. This is a well-known civilization building game 
that includes card drafting as its main mechanism and plays at a relatively high player count. Okay, I'll read okay. it again. No, no, I okay, got no, it. I'm good. Okay, I, got one. I got it. Okay. Number two. This is a game by Vladimir Sushi set in space. Okay. Okay. A game by Vladimir Sushi set in space. So I can just give an answer, right? Yeah, you you yell out Linky. Linky if you know what it is. Yeah. Okay. Linky. All CGE right. games? Nope. Sorry. All right. No, Ooh, never mind. So I, I get <laughs> all You're going to get all things. of them. Okay. okay here right. we go. Number three, a sports-themed deck builder that is most commonly played at two. Okay. A sports-themed deck builder most commonly played at two. Okay. All right. I know that one. Dan Smith taught me that game. All right. I'm good. Number four, a narrative-driven game from 2017 that can be played solo or cooperatively involving curses. Linky. All, right. All these board games have numbers in their you titles. You are correct. Very good. So the first one was Seven Wonders. You had Pulsar 2849. You had Baseball Highlights. Uh, baseball. 20, 2045. 2045. Thank you. And you had Seventh Continent. So there you go. That was your first one. Clef is on the board. Ooh-wee. <laughs> that was just, you know. You just let know. me have one I so I feel one, better yeah. about myself. All right, right, thanks, Richard. And I knew that was Seven Appreciate Wonders, it. and then for some reason I convinced myself it was Through the Ages. Yeah, <laughs> I did too. That's what I was like at first. I was thinking Through the Ages. Okay, this is good. Okay. Back to Richie Owen, a board game. Okay. All right. <laughs> so here we go. All right, here's your second one. Number one, this is a game where meeples are picked up and placed around a series of tiles Mancala style. This is a game where meeples are picked up and placed around a series of tiles, Mancala style. Okay. All right. Number two. This is a role selection game from the year 2000. Its name means little city, and it is a fortified area of a town. Podcast celebrity Eric Summer hates this game. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. You guys got that one? I, I know the two games so far. Okay, good. All right. Number three. This two-player game allows players to either play as a scientist or a dinosaur. Okay. Okay. Two-player game allowing players to play as either a scientist or a dinosaur. Okay. I, I know this game. Okay. Here's your last one. You ready? I, I don't have anything. I don't have the link yet. Yeah, don't <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Number four. Here it is. This is a bluffing game from 2001 that includes negotiation as to how gems are divided among the dragon hunters. Okay. This is a <laughs> bluffing game from 2001 that includes negotiation as to how the gems are divided among the dragon hunters. I don't know that one. I know the game, but I don't, I still I don't can't know the, figure out the You guys link? aren't sure what these have to do in um, common? Hold on. Games from a long, long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, what's a clue? I'm ready for a clue. Uh, think about designers. I'm just going to throw a guess out there. The only designer I can that I know is in two of them would be Bruno Cathala. He is, and that is part of it. So I got half a point. You got half a point. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. give you. Okay, I'm gonna so give I'm going to tell you. So it is all those got all those games are designed by a Bruno, either Bruno Cathala oh, okay, okay. or Bruno Faduti, and some both. So and the last one is Dragons Gold. Dragons Gold. Yeah. Okay. I didn't. Yep. That's Bruno Faduti. I'm guessing. Yep. I had zero shot at that. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, there was five tribes in there. There was citadels, if you didn't get it. There was raptor and dragon's gold. So that was those. Oh, I didn't get citadels. I thought it was Puerto I, Rico. 
I thought that was Carcassonne. Oh, <laughs> <So> wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, not that that matters. I still wouldn't have got it. <laughs> All right. All right. You ready? Yep. Here we go. Here's another one. Number one, roles in this game include operations expert and dispatcher. All right. Roles in this game include operations expert and dispatcher. Sounds like a game I've never played, but okay. That <laughs> <laughs> sounds like your favorite game. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. All right. Number two. A game which gives players a unique elemental power to use to defend the island against invaders. This is a game which gives players a unique elemental power to use to defend the island against invaders. Linky, what are cooperative games? Ah, he's got another point. Woo, for me! (laughs) I got a cooperative game question. That's pretty exciting. That was Spirit Island you were talking about? Yep. I've not played it, but that was the only thing that came to mind. I had the two. I was just... I didn't know it was going to be, you know, you go from Bruno's to cooperative <laughs> games. <laughs> I got to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, Calm yeah. down. Ooh, all right. All right. So I'm going to give you the other two just because I worked hard on these. So, just, <laughs> uh, Okay. Uh, this game's expansion is entitled Lumen Fide. Do you know what that one is? What? Lumen Fide. Yeah. No. No. Time no. stories. All right. And then number four, game based on a famous literary character from a shipwreck. Robinson Crusoe. Crusoe. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. All right. So. Was, was that it? No. Got one more. Okay. One Three more. Three point question. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say. Because right now I'm up two to half a point. <laughs> okay. This is this 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 linky might be a little bit difficult, and there's only three of them, so we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll okay. see, but I'll all give right. I'll give you a three point three point question. You can you can win it all here, Richie, if you yeah, get it. Here we go. Okay. What? Okay. All right. Number one, in this game, the Stevenson's rocket tile triggers end of an era. In this game, the Stevenson's rocket tile triggers end of an era. Okay. Number two. Linky, games we've (laughs) given a six to. Brass. (laughs) No. No. I can't believe you didn't wait. That's awful. All right, Richie. Here you go. Here's your chance, man. Focus. Get tuned in. Here you go. Number two. This heavy game from Capstone Games is designed by Stephen R- Stefan Risthaus and has an introductory mode. This heavy game from Capstone Games is designed by Stefan Risthaus and has an introductory mode. Okay. All right. Number three. Martin Wallace streamlined his earlier design of Brass to this title in 2010. Uh, Linky. Are these all Kickstarter games? No. No. I'm sorry. Dark right not on Kickstarter? No. Would it be all games that take base place in England? Close. Okay. Industrial Revolution. Industrial, oh, Industrial Revolution. All right, but Richie didn't get it, so I win. <laughs> <laughs> you do win, and Woo! Richie has to give his game instead of me. <laughs> yeah. All right. Somehow I think we're just swapping games back and forth <laughs> yeah, <I think> so. <laughs> All right, everybody, there you go. So that's episode 14 in the books. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Um, well... We don't know what we're going to talk about next time. Well, we're, we're going to do a draft. We haven't decided right. yet. Right. we got to figure out what draft that is and how are we going to decide how to do that draft. Well, we've been asking some people on our Slack chat. So if you want to have some input on what we, what we do for our next draft, hit us up with an email and hit us up at punchboardparadise at gmail.com and we'll add you to the Slack chat. You can have some input. But for now, we'll uh, try to figure that out. I guess that's it for this one. Thanks for listening, everybody. Wait, wait. I really liked brass. All right, that's all I got. (laughs) Have a good night. (laughs) Bye-bye, everybody.